Welcome again to another edition of the Red Reporter Podcast. Long overdue. Spring training has started. We are we are ready to roll. Um, I'm your host, Brandon. Alongside me this week, we have Scott. Hey, how's it going? We're, what, just a couple of days away from the first uh, inter-squad squim- scrimmage? Yeah, well, and, and yeah, the first real game is, I think, Tuesday of next uh-huh. week. So we're recording this on uh, Thursday. Before that, pitches and catches have already reported. And uh, we have, um, on the phone, we have Wick. Wick, what's up? Hey, guys. I have never been more excited in my life for a Jason Markey start than I am right now. <laughs> right? Markey on the... Uh, what is it, March 3rd? March, March, yes, 3rd. March 3rd. March 3rd. Our, Jason Marquis. Marquis signing. And, uh, trying to make the team, and I, I, I'm excited about Jason Marquis. Cannot yes. wait. Yeah. I don't think anybody's been as excited for a Jason Marquis start since, what, since Bobby Cox. <laughs> I don't know. I get the feeling Walt Jockey's been super excited about every Jason Marquis start ever. Well, he's also excited about every Skip Schumacher at bat, so let's not give him too much credit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, to start off this week, actually, we uh, we actually have a special guest. So we talked to uh, Dan Samborski from ESPN um, about he's he's the one who does the Zips projection system for ESPN and Fangraphs. He does that for Fangraphs. Um, but he was gracious enough to spend a little time with us talking Reds projections. So uh, here's that. Dan, how's it going? Uh, we're all pretty good, so uh, let's let's jump right into this. So um, I know the red zips projections. We're a couple weeks out from it. We obviously wanted to get you on a little bit sooner, but uh, schedules didn't dictate that. But luckily, there's not really a whole lot else baseball wise going on yet. So uh, still kind of worked out. So. Yeah, we're just in peak silly season when it comes to uh, off season <laughs> stories, which is great. Right. The Reds have decided to more Cardinals since then, so there's been more tweaks to the bench so far. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, let's let's just kind of jump in. You know, I, I think that with with any, you know, projections, there's always ones that jump out as ones that surprise us, that, you know, we're encouraged by, and ones that we're not, that we're discouraged by. Um, you know, I what do you think of... Um, first of all, let's, let's look at the good. Um, let's, I, I think the one thing that jumped out at me was, uh, the Reds new, new left fielder, Marlon Bird, um, is projected to have a pretty good season and a lot, a lot better than the Reds have had in that position recently. Yeah. It's been a nice black hole over the past 16 months. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Zips Zips likes Marlon Bird more than Steamer did, so so it's mm. good that you have me on instead of Cross because <laughs> it might be a little more dour. Um, uh, Zips, Zips thinks that there's enough in Marlon Bird and it's a good enough fit for Park that he can kind of you know edge out another solid season with power. I mean, it's it's not a star type season or anything. I mean, it's it's right. just not a black hole. If right. the vortex of suck. That's gonna hopefully. <laughs> Right, he is, he is thirty. He is going to be thirty-seven, or he is thirty-seven, but right. he is old. So there, there does come with with substantial risk. So it's it's not guaranteed. Right, but yeah, I mean, the Reds have had what back-to-back seasons of mid-thirties players that projected to be okay, and then dove and tore a labrum like day one of the season. So there's still that option out there with 
you know, your, your elder players. But it looked like the K rate that's been skyrocketing the last couple of years isn't something that Zips is terribly concerned with because left field and Great American Ballpark is short as can be, and he can still knock some out of the park, right? Everybody strikes out a million times now. I mean, if it's it's right. it's it's crazy. It's like everyone's like, okay, how many yet? I I I, I struck out 150 times. Okay, you're the new Joe Sewell. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. But uh, also on the positive side, Jay Bruce. So right. Does think that Jay Bruce will mostly get back to where he's been, which is which is a plus sign because yeah. it's a tough year. Yeah, I mean, with all the injuries that kind of plagued him last year, and there was still, there's still going to be that, I think, that question mark with his with his health, and yeah, it's it's definitely encouraging that Zips think that thinks that he's going to rebound. Yeah, because it was it, it was a weak year. I mean, even yeah. even with the injuries, he, uh, I mean, that's just how you had to say it. Ugh. Yeah, it was that kind of yeah. That's just how you describe it. It's, that's it's no <laughs> word. It's just kind of a kind of a guttural sound from your throat. <laughs> right. And how would you, uh, when writing an article, how would you begin spelling that? E U U U, couple of ellipses, a Y, a C, and an H. And then link to a YouTube. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, looking at most of the Reds' offensive projections, I mean, it seems like Zips is fairly optimistic about most every one of the regular players. I mean, uh, it's not as optimistic on Votto being 2010 Votto, but he's, you know, 31 years old now, so that's to be expected. But a lot of what most of the projections look like, uh, basically, well, in large part, since the core is still kind of the same from 2012 and 2013, is a lot like the 2013 season. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it's got Billy Hamilton in there instead of Shinsu Chu, but his defense kind of picks up from that. Um, and it, what you mentioned when, when Zips came out was that the starters, if they stay healthy, actually project to look like they're a half-decent team that has a chance to win 90 games. Uh, it's what's behind that. It's the big drop-off, and it's like, oh, crap, don't get hurt like they did last year because there's nothing there behind it, right? Yeah, that, it's the kind of team that you can see fans overrating uh, because a lot of times you see like some of the fans uh, kind of overrate the idea of, of players getting Staying healthy, they act. They act like okay, this is the roster. If someone gets injured, it's the worst luck in the world. It's like no, that that's that's not how it works. Uh, you, right. Yeah, you expect some of the players to get injured. That's the problem with the Reds. You're like, oh, this is great. If they can just all play 162 games, it'll be great. But then Skip Schumacher will play. Oh. Yeah. Well, and you you get the feeling that that's kind of what the Reds front office did last year as. Their, that was their plan last year, was that everybody was going to be healthy for the whole season and they didn't have any backups. Well, and we saw what happened. Similar, but, but you know how I said, ugh, Skip Schumacher will play. I think they said that with more excitement. Like, <laughs> yeah. 162 games, but don't worry, because Skip Schumacher will play. Right. Yay! <laughs> Yay. It's almost like they got spoiled by 2012 and 2013, though, because so many of their key players played 162 games or started yeah. 33 times. Yeah. The rotation went all 2012 without missing a single start. And then 2013 rolled around and they barely missed a start. Yeah. Um, it's almost like they, they, they bought into that ability to maintain that. And then all of a sudden they're paying them all because they've been, you know, extra years of service. And then they all got hurt. And it's like, Oh God, there's no money to sign anybody else. And there's nobody else in the system ready to take over their spot. And it just, it's kind of snowballed into the second year of that mentality. And, uh, Oh, God, don't get hurt again. Pray for healthy knees this year. Can we do that? <laughs> yeah. 
but but it, it's one of the things that that people it's one of the pitfalls that people tend to fall into right. uh, when when something goes right that did require a lot of luck you can either say okay we're really lucky or I'm really smart right and of course people are gonna say hmm I think that I'm quite intelligent and and people will assume that it wasn't luck it was all them I mean luck they say I mean of course is the residue of design but you can't design a team that everybody's healthy. And if you decide that, it's just it's a disaster waiting to happen. Right. right. Well, and you, you get the feeling that with the, the way that the Reds' mentality has worked the past couple of years, you know, when everything kind of falls into place and everyone's healthy, it's because they made these brilliant decisions. And, you know, when, when you know, years like last year happened, oh, that's just bad luck. Too bad. You know, so it's yeah. It's, I think you're definitely on something. It's almost a perfect segue, uh, <laughs> Dan. And I'm sure you've seen the uh, the analytics rankings that ESPN put out recently, and the Reds are I have. Firm, firmly in the bottom half of uh, the believers in uh, how much analytics goes into baseball. And we were talking just a minute ago. Uh, I couldn't help but notice that the only teams that the Reds have really made transactions with of late are also all the other skeptical and non-believing teams: the Marlins, the Phillies, the Tigers, the Diamondbacks. So they they brought in Kevin Towers, which is probably a big reason why the Diamondbacks are the skeptics to begin with. Do you think that's something that they kind of almost are being defiant in? Because you don't go up and they're not really making a whole lot of deals and actively picking up players from a lot of the franchises that are actively you know, employing analytics to their uh, regimen. Instead, they seem to be kind of doing the same thing they do with a lot of the other teams that do it the same way they do. I'm not sure that it's not a small sample size. I mean, it's it's definitely a very seductive story because you can just picture Uncle Walt there and say, okay, right. I want to trade with people, but I don't want to see letters. I just want to see RBIs. I don't want to see acronyms. I don't want to see ZipFoop or Zuzer or XFIP Steamer Pakoda. If, if we want Pakoda, we'll hire him as a scout. Right. That's kind of kind of picture the Reds doing that, but it, it could just be a, it could just be coincidental. Uh, I mean, most teams will 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 talk with each other at some point. I mean, lots of teams talk with the Phillies, except the Phillies just have an unrealistic view of everything. Uh, I'm not. I don't think I wouldn't put the Reds in that class. Uh, I mean, ESPN, uh, the guys who put together that list. I mean, I didn't put together that list. It was uh, Ben Bomber and some other guys. Uh, I mean, they put the Reds as skeptics. They didn't put them down with the Marlins and the Phillies. So there's plus there. I mean, they do employ Sam Grossman. So right. would you say that they're, like, questionable agnostics at this point? Or? <laughs> they they, they want to do it. I think some of these skeptical teams is they kind of see the value, but it, it just feels really awkward trying to get into it. Kind of like going to a bar and, and seeing a girl that's way too hot for you and thinking, <laughs> okay, I kind of want to talk to her, but... I'm not sure that's a good idea. <laughs> they're not going to she's attractive, but they're not going to go over and make the conversation. <laughs> I mean... Whereas, whereas Tampa's, like, already, like, already beeline <laughs> to that girl as soon as yeah. as soon as they show up. Tampa is like that douchebag in, what was that show, The Pickup Artist, with the giant uh, hat? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Opening sets? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fully invested, at least unlike certain other general managers, they probably know what a plate appearance is. Right. <laughs> I'm, right. St- I'm still laughing. You guys all know that story, don't you? 
No. Which story? Uh, entertain, oh. our, entertain us. No. Okay. Ruben Amaro was telling mm. a story on the radio <laughs> about talking with Mike Schmidt. Uh, and Amaro couldn't figure out how a player with, with fewer hits could have a higher on-base percentage than another player. <laughs> and I'm talking about Mike Schmidt versus some other player. He did not know what a plate appearance was. Yeah, and, uh, it's a plate appearance backwards, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and like, discounted. <laughs> it, yeah. it was it was pretty embarrassing. <laughs> uh, he, he didn't know how what batting average it was and what a plate appearance was. Right. It was uh, it was Schmidt and Jimmy Rollins, I think, because Rollins was two hits away from from Schmidt's record or one hit away or something. And Amara was confused because they had really close batting averages, but it said that the plate appearances were like a thousand apart, and he was really confused how that could happen. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's funny. So, I mean, so, so the Reds probably know that part. They probably know what plate appearances. Yeah, well, Dan, speaking of, uh, I guess, other teams in the National League, and maybe if we can segue a little bit towards the NL Central, uh, based on your projections uh, this season, what do the other teams in the Central uh, look like on the surface? Well, really, I, I see the NL Central is kind of a... At, at the top, I think it's clearly a race between St. Louis and Pittsburgh. Right. I know people are talking about the Cubs, and I, and I love what the Cubs have done, uh, but I don't think they quite have that depth yet to really... I mean, it could happen. It's a, lot of, a lot of things can happen, but I still think that they're, they're kind of a second-tier contender. Uh, in, in a division. And right. I think they're a little ahead of the Reds and the Brewers at this point. Uh, I do think that... I do think that every team in the division has some upside that can get them into the, into the playoffs, especially being the division, even the wild card. I, but I would definitely put the Reds down towards the bottom. Right. Because, as I said, the depth issues will almost certainly come up during the season. And unless it's a shortstop... I'm not even sure if they know what they have in Suarez. Right. Uh, they're not in the best position if anything unexpected happens. Right. That's another thing, though, that with Zips that was actually a pretty big surprise was, you know, when when you look at uh, Z-War, how um, Eugenio Suarez is projected to be seventh most valuable hitter on the Reds. Like, that's – which you never would have thought that, but that's – Oh, Zip, He's Zip, so underrated. I'm a fan of, of Suarez. Um, yeah, it, it liked him last year. It was before last season. It, it, it thought he was the best shortstop in the organization. I mean, it didn't have him with a huge projection, mm-hmm. but I mean, he's he's still a shortstop that that slugged like 500 at Double A. I mean, that's right. that's unless yeah. you're going to field like Derek Jeter next year. I mean, that makes you at least interesting, right? So like, Suarez is the perfect example of a move that Walt Jockety made that it, from an analytic perspective actually makes sense. Like he sold high on Alfredo Simon, who's at, you know, what, 33 now and entering his last year in free agency, picked up young players, picked up a guy in Suarez that uh, a lot of different projection systems really like. Um, he made the move for Shinsu Chu and sold on Gregorius and Stubbs high. He's made a lot of moves like that that actually kind of make you think that he's got somebody in his ear or knows himself that there are kind of those kind of moves that make sense both financially and projection wise. Um, but then he almost turns around and, 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 and offsets that with extensions that don't really add up 
to agreeing with that as well. Um, I just was wondering, like, if it Suarez is almost like the perfect example of this particular year, like the latest iteration of him having a lot of numbers at disposal, but not really knowing exactly what to do with them. Hey, even the Phillies occasionally make good trades. Uh, I mean, there's some overlap between uh, sabermetrics and more old school thinking. I mean, there there are a lot of places where you'll see some overlap uh, in things. I mean, both. I mean, you'll see a lot of players that both stats and scouts love. Right. Uh, I'm not. I'm, I don't want to read too much into one trade. Uh, I I would kind of speculate that they're probably more willing to invest in analysis when say, deciding which Tigers player isn't too bad as opposed to who do we give $150 million to. There's a different level of buy-in that's required there. (laughs) Dan, uh, you wrote recently about uh, one of the individuals that should not be re-signed would be Johnny Cueto. Uh, Could you provide a little bit of analysis for uh, some of our listeners on your rationale behind that? Well, essentially, it's nothing to do with Johnny Cueto, the player. He's an amazing pitcher. Mm. But I think, realistically, the, the Reds have little chance of bringing him back unless his price comes way down. I can't see them having, essentially, between uh, Bailey and Cueto um, and, and Votto, I can't see them having $500 million in contracts. Right. It's, 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 it's very no. unlikely. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm, I'm guesstimating. I mean, you have the 200 million there, 100 million, and you think 200 million. Maybe not, maybe not 200 million, but he's going to get a lot of money. There's like 150 at least, regardless of what yeah, happens. It's, yeah. it's going yeah. over 150. He's going to, unless he something goes bad in his elbow, he's probably going to get a little above Leicester money next year. Right. Uh, now the Reds, they're kind of at a crossroads. I don't see this organization really having enough right now in the core to do anything. I think they really need to restock, and the best thing they have to restock the system with is Johnny Cueto. I don't think they're really going to be a good team this year. It could happen, but it's hard to pass up the opportunity to restock your system, as I said, with with some solid players on could. Right. Uh, Because there's a really good chance that Johnny Cueto is amazing. They hang on to him, but they're headed towards like an 80-win season. They're going to be 10 games back. And they're not going to get as much of them as they would have. Uh, because even if you have good leverage at the trade deadline, a year of Johnny Cueto plus the possibility of getting a draft pick if you don't resign him, which is only possible before the season, that has a lot of value too. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I kind of see this year's Reds team, I mean, player by player is a little bit different. But overall, it's kind of like last year's Brewers team where – they didn't really look that great on paper. They played well. Everything went right for a while. But the older players they had kind of broke down towards the end. The pitching kind of fell apart towards the end. And at the end of the season, you look up, and they kind of finished about where you would have expected them to, despite the fact that the first half went really, really well when everything went right. And the Reds have that chance. I mean, yeah. there's a chance Votto plays 150 games. There's a chance Brandon Phillips doesn't have that random but- midseason injury that's happened every year for the last three years. Jay Bruce bounces back, and maybe some of the pitchers that they've developed over the last you know two years and traded for turn out to be great. But that's a lot of ifs. Yeah, but ifs. and that could you could even see that as almost a worst case scenario for the Reds if they're last year's Brewers, just because you know if if they if they come out gangbusters and they think that they can you know take that Central Division and they end up winning you know 
78, 79 games, like I think we're kind of expecting him to at this point. Right. You know, then they didn't cash in on Cueto because they thought that they would keep him for the stretch run, and then you know he goes, and you all you get is. It's, okay, it's almost yeah. <laughs> like the Reds last year. I mean, the Reds were at one point what, like a couple games over five hundred, heading into the All Star break. And yeah, yeah. Billy Hamilton was great. Four games out of first. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I guess the, the the converse on that would would be if they were to trade Cueto. Uh, and restock the farm system with a couple people that are three to four years away. Uh, Dan, how how do you think that would play into the fact that three to four years from now you're getting the 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 really sour end of that Votto contract? Well, it's it's a sunk cost at this point. It's what makes it going forward. Just because they like Votto's best years to be now, it doesn't make the roster right now any better than it is otherwise. Mm-hmm. Uh, the re- the reality is that Cueto isn't going to be on the Reds in 2016. So the question is, do you want players that can really make a difference, add to the depth of the team, if nothing else, or do you just want to put it all on one last year? Uh, Despite the Royals' success last year, uh, the new playoff format with with the extra wild card has really changed the the value of winning the division uh, relative to winning the wild card. So limping is a little less valuable than it used to be. Because before, I mean, the wild card just didn't get home field advantage. Now the wild card has a 50-50 shot to go to the real playoffs. Uh, So I think that, I mean, I think you saw that with the A's last year. They had in the past kind of emphasized being consistently good. But last year they really tried to roll the dice and be a great team. Now, it didn't work out as we remember. But I think we're going to see more of that mindset uh, as teams realize that winning the division is much more valuable than the wild card, despite the Royals' very good fortune there. Right. Uh, I think the Reds need to consider how we're going to put together a 92-win team and try to get to that. Right. And I don't think they can realistically get to that this year. So yep. that leaves the question of Cueto. And Cueto... Trading prospects for him won't guarantee a 92-win season, but it's all that's left of Cueto that they could use to get to that goal. Right. It's it's definitely going to be the best use of him, you know, going forward if if they can't ride him to a division win this year. Because right, yeah, I, I I think that when you look at the budget, it's probably not in the cards that they're going to resign him. And yeah, as much as, as, much was, as it pains me to say, chance, it. <laughs> it might be different, but I really don't yeah. think they are. Yeah, I mean, as as much as the the you know the beat writers here will like to tell you that, and that you know the the team wants us to know that you know talks are ongoing and they want that information out there. It's yeah, it's just seems so unrealistic at this point. Yeah. I mean, they're already at eighty million dollars for two thousand sixteen for right. six players. <laughs> they're, they're they're not gonna, they're not a team. They're not going to go into the season with a hundred and sixty million dollar payroll. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, so some, I mean, something needs, yeah, something needs to give there. And there's, and there's not enough money coming off the books either. Right. I mean, the biggest contract coming off the books is Johnny Cueto, so there's no game there. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. If anything, if you... <laughs> I can see the Phillies saying that, okay, we can't sign our picture, but the picture's coming off the payroll, so we'll have the money to sign him. Oh, yeah, there, there it is. It was right here in front of us the whole time. How many more years of the Sean Marshall contract do we have? 
Uh, one. Oh, okay. So that's coming like off the bus. Yeah. Yeah, I have a feeling. Unless they decide to give Sean Marshall two more years, which <laughs> which you know. wouldn't be the first time. But yeah. if, he, if he meets the Zips projection, he will throw 25 innings this year, which will accrue to a total of 40 innings pitched for the three-year, 16.5 million dollar extension he signed. Cool. So. That's 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 like uh, Kevin Brown per like pitch zeros money. Zeros and commas is not the worst contract that the Reds have ever had in their lives, but that's well turned out to be an awful, awful, when, awful contract. Yeah, it's going to be hard. They've nickel and dined a lot of a lot of those contracts in the past. Yeah, yeah I mean, you're paying six million for this one, three million for that one, four million for that one, five million for that one, and two and a half for Schumacher. That adds up over time. It adds up the real money. Yeah. The Jack Hanahan buyout. Jack Hanahan. Yes. Yeah, the Hanahan. Ryan, Ryan Ludwig <laughs> getting I four and a half. Hanahan still existed. Yeah. Oh, he's making, what, like two and a half, three million on the buyout this year? Yeah. One, whatever. I thought he was going to Korea, wasn't he? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's going to Korea. He, just, he got bought out on the, the option year on the two-plus option contract he signed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that worked. Yeah, brother. <laughs> To be fair, Zips doesn't like Jack Hanahan either. He's, he's still on our, our projection list. Uh, the thing is, for Korea, you don't have to, Korea doesn't have the same level of play as Japan does. So you right. don't have to be a great player. I mean, if you look at some of the players that went over there and how they're hitting, there, there's there's some there's some benefits there. I mean, you have Eric Thames, like, yeah. crushing the league. I mean, he, he had, like, a... Like like 11, uh, 1100 this year. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, Skip Schumacher should go play some honk ball. Then he'd be a Hall of Famer. Yeah. I don't. I don't know if the, if the Dutch. I, I love honk ball though. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I just love that it's called honk ball. <laughs> uh, so, kind of, sort of speaking of which, what is? I I, I know that Zips has uh, Rasiel Iglesias not technically having the best of years next year. How do you how do you account for that? How does Zips account for uh, Cuban League stats? Uh, there's an falling stats when that's all there is to go off of, aside from scouting reports for a player such as him. Well, there's a lot of error involved. Let's just say <laughs> I try I try to weasel out of every projection for a Cuban player that comes in. I didn't project Puig his rookie year until spring training when it was clear he was going to make the team, and I had no choice. I don't like projecting. Cuban players. I mean, not because of any weird racist communist thing <laughs> that I have. Uh, it's just like zero information and but yeah, something. Yeah. You don't want to make it look bad. Yeah. And, and <laughs> what I hate is when people sometimes like send a request for like a guy who's just drafted out of high school. I'm like, what do you expect me to do? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get his high school stats and translate into the majors. Quite a bit of Cuban data now because Cubans have played the minor leagues too, and so we kind of had that data, you know, with A equals B, B equals C, then A equals C. Right. Um, uh, so, but it's very uncertain, and you had to use Iglesias's uh, Cuban stats. I mean, they were okay. I mean, he was wild, uh, as as reflected in the projection. I don't put a huge faith. I mean, for any Cuban player, I probably wouldn't really be shocked of anything. Because even if translation-wise, uh, it's overall kind of similar to a, an A-level league, the fact is we don't 
see a lot of superstars at major league level playing in an A league. So a lot of it is kind of very theoretical, right. uh, because the the top the, the top tier of of, of Cuba's series Nacional, um, those those are major league quality players. But where it isn't major league quality is if the depth goes down. Uh, if you look at some of the stats put up by Jose Abreu uh, in Cuba, you'd think that Cuba was a huge offensive league. It actually isn't. It's just that there's a certain level of talent that's crushing. It's or essentially, it's essentially, if Mike Trout was stuck in a ball and and couldn't, they they, they wouldn't promote him. That's the kind <laughs> of stats you see down there. Right. Uh, it's, like, so, it's, it's like SEC baseball. I mean, there are <laughs> seven or eight elite players there, and then by the bottom end of like. You know, team fourteen on the back of their bench is not up to caliber, and so the elite players are going to beat the hell out of everybody else that are playing against. So, so, so the Zips projection for Iglesias it reflects sizable risk, both because he's from Cuba and his Cuban record wasn't really great. But he's also young, and uh, I would not—he's not a player I'd be shocked if he crushed his projection. Right. But it wouldn't shock me if he actually was worse than his projection, which has happened. Right. Fair enough. All right. Well, you, yeah, let's let's wrap up. I think. Um, so yeah, thanks for uh, coming on, Dan. A uh, lot of good info here, and a lot that um, I think our listeners are gonna appreciate. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I hope so. All right. And, and Dan, it's if- always the goal. <laughs> Absolutely, and if uh, our listeners want to read more from uh, from you about the Reds or about baseball in general, where can they find you? Oh God, the self plug! I always hate this part. Ha! Everywhere. <laughs> more facts about Dan's Zimborski.com. <laughs> Projections at Fangraphs. D Zimborski on Twitter. That's D S Z Y M B O R S K I on Twitter. Also, Dan, one last question. How have you taught your cats to be able to find the enter button when they walk on your keyboard? Because mine do it all the time, and they never actually send to the tweet. They miss the enter every single time. Well, what happens is on my la- my laptop. See, I have my my desk arrangement is kind of like almost three sixty around me of computers and screens and monitors. Do you like and Tommy on the drums just everywhere? <laughs> if you've ever seen, uh, you guys watch Parks and Rec. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah run, when, yeah, when Ron Ron Swanson's Swanson circular desk. So <laughs> Ron Swanson had to work like at a circular table. In Perfect. The, yeah. that's, that's kind of how I have my desks laid out, and I have a lazy boy recliner in the middle of them, which I'm on. Nice, nice. And on my forward wall, I have three TVs. Uh, you know, for sports, which I was able to write off. Right, right. <laughs> I'm a baseball writer. I have to watch baseball. Jeez, I want to. Um, but I have my my laptop is on my left desk and it's usually on Twitter and Gal and the way it's sitting, Galileo has to walk right and he'll hit control and enter because they're like right <laughs> near each other on the computer. And so whatever he's walked across when he gets the part because one o'clock every day he comes and starts bothering me for dinner and he walks across the laptop. I yell at him and he walks across the laptop because he knows it gets my attention because he's an asshole. <laughs> um, so whenever he walks across, usually some brackets or slashes or maybe the maybe the, uh, the, the comma thing, the apostrophe. 
think it's called apostrophe the comma thing. Uh, <laughs> but I've been employed as a writer. But whatever is in there, he will send on Twitter. So I'm trying to remember not to leave it on Twitter. Uh, but so I you say Gal- Galileo is a pull hitter? He's across the keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> now, he's such a pain when I'm trying to work. I was, um, I, what, what was I? I was doing a, a Bangor, Maine radio spot yesterday. And <laughs> this was... Is that, is that Red right? Sox? Yeah, they, they, they talk about Red Sox. We talk more generally. Banger? Uh, I hardly, hardly know her. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Dan. Hey, I didn't make any jokes because it's probably like zero degrees there all the time. Um, well, anyway, this is this is like I was doing it at four forty, so it's like right before Galia gets dinner. So he was sitting on my lap, and he's meowing, and I'm trying so that that my microphone won't pick up the meow. <laughs> he just meow. <laughs> and like, and I, and like between questions, I'm muting my microphone to yell at him. Like, God damn it, come back! And he's a giant cat. He's 20 pounds and like 30 inches long. He's like, good lord! He's like a, he's a small dog. You, you don't shoo him away. He will fight you if you try to push him away. <laughs> so, so since I work at home, I'm always played by cat visitors. All of them are a pain in the ass, but he is the worst. He's the tweet, he's the tweet cat. If if none of the other cats have tweeted, the tweet cat. I love that. That's what happens? Right. I'll I'll come downstairs, or I'll look at my screen and go to Twitter. I'll see twenty retweets of punctuation. Like, God damn it! <laughs> yeah, something clever I said earlier got two retweets, but my cat gets twenty. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Awesome. Well, Dan, thanks so much for joining us, man. We really appreciate it. No problem. Uh, just make sure to tweet me when, when it's up so I can re- send it along the information for all the people that aren't tired of me yet. Fantastic. Uh, <laughs> and there's probably a few. I'm, I'm, I'm sure we'll see you in the comments too, right? Oh, yeah. I that's, always show up. <laughs> that's, 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 yeah, that's signal. Yeah. Oh, I have, there's a lot of ways to summon me. I figured out a couple of them. Yeah. <laughs> I have to. See, see that? That is the nice, it's the perfect storm between between being moderately self-absorbed and having a distinctive last name. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so that's not, how you guys get me. Not not a ton of other Dan Borsies out there that. No, are, there, no, are no. There's confused. one in Michigan who's like a mechanic. Oh, I'm, I'm sure he loves you. <laughs> I, oh well, you see, I kind of feel that like sometime in my life I'm gonna like drive up there and like kill him. <laughs> I mean, it's one of the things that should be one. If my name was John Smith, I mean, you kind of expect. But finding out there's more Dan Zaborski, that's weird. But what's great <laughs> is I'm also ruining Google for Dave Zaborski, too, because people think my name is Dave. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like half of the top ten searches for Dave Zaborski. And I'm just thinking, I just I just want to, like, find Dave Zaborski and say, yeah, I'm fucking up your Google searches. <laughs> you ain't nothing you're going to do about it. Damn, I'm going to say racist things and people are going to think it's you. (laughs) (laughs) You're screwed, Dave. That that Dave's divorce, what a jerk. If I lose my job, you're going to be unemployed, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, we'll take a break and uh, we'll be back right after this. Thanks, Dan. (laughs) All right, and we're back. Uh, So we... uh, Sorry. Just talk to Dan Saborski. 
We did. That was fantastic. It was great. In live, in person. Well, no, by phone. It wasn't. No, it, wasn't. it was not live. Not it was live. It was not in person. Well, technically, it's not going to be live either because uh, you're bo- going to be downloading. This. It's a podcast. Yes. So it's, you a are, ma- yeah. it's a magic of radio, though. Yeah. So, uh, so let's go into um, what else has transpired so far. Um, you know, spring training ha- started about what a week or so ago, and. Already, there's already good stuff to talk about if you like controversy. So, um, you know, obviously Matt Latos was traded from the Reds in the offseason, um, decided to do a Q&A with Ken Rosenthal, where he basically just kind of shit on his former employer and how they do things and really just was just kind of burned all the bridges that he had, he had made here. Yeah, that's. I, I, um, there, there's something about that bow tie that turns him into like Barbara Walters in <laughs> providing tell-alls to players. Yeah, when, and really, he he'd spent most of his time, uh, most of the interview, um, criticizing the Reds' clubhouse culture, um, and then the Reds' medical staff too. Which, you know, I and, and it's, I it's funny. With, yeah, uh, it's something that we've been kind of talking about and joking about for years mm-hmm. as. You know, something that, you know, if, you know, if there's a player that got, that hurt or, you know, not rehabbing correctly and, you know, getting re-injured, it, it's something that's kind of been a concern for the casual fan and to hear it from a player is just a completely different well, scenario. Well, to hear it from a right? player is a different scenario and it, it's amazing how, you know, the media in this town have all decided to rally around Tim Kremchak and despite the comments that Latos made in this situation. Yeah. But you also have to look at not necessarily the anecdotal evidence, but a year and a half ago, Jonathan Broxton was coming back from an injury. They threw him out there. He couldn't hit 90. And we're talking about a guy that used to throw mm-hmm. 98 with regularity. After his second injury, he hit 94 with regularity. Dude couldn't break 90. Mm-hmm. He clearly was not himself. He clearly was rushed back. He threw eight pitches, and then they shelled him for the rest of the year. Right. You know, the the Reds do have this sort of history of, of doing that. Now, is Latos the best messenger? No. Why? Because, you know, he clearly uh, said a number of other things that kind of flies in the face of what he's saying this time around. Yeah. But, uh, you right. know, it, I, I mean, there's, there's a part of what Latos said that uh, is specifically about the, the, the training staff and the medical personnel on the team that, I mean, like, I, I, I hate going to the dentist. I hate admitting something's more serious of an injury than it currently is. And if you look up in Latos's five-plus seasons in the majors, he's never really been hurt before. So it's the first time he's ever had multiple injuries compile. Uh, from all we can tell, the, the knee injury was kind of a freak accident. The, the elbow injury initially was just bone chips and it had to be you know removed and whatever. And there's a part of me that thinks that the compounding of things that, that went bad for him over that period kind of jaded his perception at least a little bit because mm-hmm. anytime you have something that keeps hurting, anytime you keep hurting yourself and have to keep going back to the same person and be like, what's wrong? There's something else different. Like what the hell else? It, it's going to make you frustrated with it. And it's obvious he's frustrated with them. I almost wonder if there's just that, you know, 
if you have three things go wrong in short order that quickly, you know, he had a calf issue, he had a knee issue, he had an elbow issue, and then a forearm issue, all within like, what, five months? Mm -hmm. Uh, Regardless of where you're going, you're going to be annoyed about the fact that's all gone on. And I, you know, as much as there is historic criticism of the Reds medical staff, part of me wants to say it was just a bad timing scenario for when everything hit the fan and when you know, he was trying to go out there and produce. And hopefully yeah. that's all it was. Yeah, and I, I think when you look at, um, you know, what his criticisms and the way that he came off in this interview, it does kind of, it seems to me kind of like sour grapes. Like, it's... It's the same stuff well, it's, that it's, we it's, heard about when he first came here from the Padres. Right. It's, it's coming It's coming from a place of this team doesn't want me. They picked someone else over me. And in this case, they picked – basically, they picked, chose Johnny Cueto and to ex- try and extend Johnny Cueto over Matt Latos. And, and over it, Bailey, if you and, think about it. Right. Yeah. And it, it seems like that's kind of what the motivation is here. It, it doesn't seem like – he he's really in a place to you know I think that he's kind of using the medical staff as like well if they would have handled me better I would have pitched better and maybe I would have been the guy and you kind of it's it's not something that he says but it's kind of underlying there I think yeah absolutely yeah and as, yeah and especially going to the clubhouse comments you know well yeah throwing he yeah, pretty much threw shade throwing, at uh, Homer Bailey everyone his else yeah comment throwing everyone else under the bus when it comes yeah. to the clubhouse comment which is pathetic I mean, yeah you and, know it's I mean he spent three years with the Reds and won and, uh, won a division and, and well uh, here's the point here here's the thing the dude is 27 years old he's on a team of a bunch of other players that range in age between 22 and 34 years old and complaining about how this clubhouse lacks a leader. I'm sorry, don't be a contrarian if that's the case. Actually try to do some leading yourself as opposed well, to just saying how everybody else lacks in those well, qualities. And, and keep in mind, when, when he was here, that was kind of his reputation was kind of that of just kind of a guy who's, who's going to go in, get his work done, and, and just not be that leader himself, you know? You know, as, as much as, as he's sitting here saying, you know, well, when Roland left, everyone's everyone's screwing around. Well, you know, you were one of the ones screwing around, too. So it's like you can't really throw stones when that's you're that guy, too. And Roland's yeah. been gone for three years. Like, yeah. in the three years, you know? If, yeah, when Royo. And you look up and you still think you need Roland now. Acknowledge the fact that there's three years you could have grown up in that time frame. Too. Yeah, it's, it's and, not. And it's honest, not like... Honestly, you know, you look at how uh, Bronson Arroyo took Mike Leak under his wing. Mm-hmm. Mike Leak didn't need Bronson Arroyo last year yeah. to have a pretty damn good was year. Fine. Well, and, and it, you can look at it, but if you would have, if he would have come out and said, you know, hey, I, I tried to be that guy last year, and these guys wouldn't listen to me. They're just screwing around. They don't care. If that's what he would have said, then he'd have a point. But he, yeah, no, his was, then everybody his, would have been his pouring perspe- it on him. Her, his perspective is coming from a place of I'm watching all of this happen, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, you weren't doing anything about it either, so you have just as much as room to talk as I, I, you know, I, Johnny I, Cueto and I, Mike I, Bailey. And I do think that there's whatever. kind of a, a, a difference between an everyday. 
player and the pitching staff, though, too, mm-hmm. when it comes to that. Pitchers seem to be their own birds. Uh, yeah. You know, they, they're into their own routines. They don't really want to be disturbed. You know, the everyday nine, you know, they do, for some reason, you know, the whole idea of chemistry and bonding, that for yeah. some reason seems to stick a little bit more with position players and a pitching staff. But also, he pitched for three years in San Diego and they went nowhere. He got traded to the Reds. Yeah, but that's just because of Kevin Towers. But, but, but he got traded to the Reds and they won 97 games and had, as far as I'm concerned, the best team in baseball that year before... Quito's injury and Votto's injury derailed that. Mm. They won 90 games in 2013 and made the playoffs again. And then the one year he got hurt, where everybody else got hurt, they didn't win a lot, he got traded, and then it's all of a sudden the Reds were yeah. a, a poorly run organization, both medically and in the clubhouse. Like, how do you how do you, how do you you take the Reds versus what he had in San Diego and dump on the Reds? Right. All right. It seemed the first and the loudest was uh, none other than Joey Votto, which right. is a which change is, in circumstance. Yeah, that's, that's very uncharacteristic of him. But um, I think that, you know, when, when it comes to, uh, you know, Votto's comments, you know, I think you have him kind of trying to step up and be that leader. You know, if there's, if there's anybody that I think one – if you haven't been paying attention to the media in this city and everything going on about... Congratulations. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's been a lot of talk about Vada's hitting approach. Marty's not a fan of it. And all the people that follow Marty are getting on Joey Vado's back for whatever reason. Even though Joey Vado's the professional hitter and they're not. But I digress. So, um... But you know, they're the professional opinion makers. Yeah. Yeah. But, so... The Votto came out and said that, you know, basically telling all those people to shut up and is now kind of jumping in front of the latest comments about leadership and saying, I'm that guy. Let me do it. I'm, I can handle this. And I, yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a pretty refreshing thing to see from Joey Votto. It's, it's definitely, it's a change from, the, the quiet, stoic Vado of old. Oh, well, right. I mean, you know, the, the, the issue is whether he's a silent leader or a vocal leader or he, it's just ridiculous. You go through so many different iterations in terms of what it means to be a leader. Uh, none of that is going to stop the fact that in front of you, you had two players with sub 300 OBP. Uh, and that's a good reason why the Reds were not successful last year, even when we had the two weeks that Vado was healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it it comes down to a fair amount of talent and being able to sop out that talent. And, you know, uh, you know, I don't care if Skip Schumacher, you know, goes in and recites the St. Crispin's Day speech. Uh, unless he can contribute on a day-to-day basis at a major league level, then he is doing more harm than good to a team. Mm-hmm. I like at Vano's comments like this. Uh, I think Joey basically, what was going through his mind, and Mo Egger was fantastic on his blog, mm-hmm. putting himself in Vano's shoes and going over the different arguments that, that he could have made if he wanted to. Um, but the gist of that, the gist of what I think Votto had going through his mind was, look, and the fan shot that I put on the front page for 
clickbait purposes primarily, but also for a point <laughs> earlier today that Joel made about how they've got four and five guys who have been together for over eight years, or next year will be their eighth year. Right. What Votto is basically saying is, is that, look, we've won 90 games three times in the last five years. We've won two division titles in the last five years. I've won an MVP. We've sent, what, th- 13 players to the All-Star game in that, in that mm-hmm. uh, time frame. We've had the best pitching we've ever had in that time frame. Whatever there's uh, media-fabricated leadership void that you guys keep creating hasn't been an issue. Right. We're all right. And what? look, if somebody has to say it, I'll say it. Put it on me. I'll say it. It doesn't need to be said. But if you guys want to hear it said, I'll say it. Right. And that was that was. Uh, you know, maybe it's maybe it's a 31 year old Vado versus a 27 year old Vado that had a lot more things going on in his life then to distract him from baseball than he does now. I don't know I, whether or not he is the leader or wants to be the leader or needs to be the leader. We don't really know. But I give him a hell of a lot of props for saying literally, bring the mics over to me. I'm going to say it, and if you guys want to hear it, you want a soundbite, here it is. I don't think it changes a whole lot in the clubhouse. I don't think what Latos's comments uh, uh, drive will change a whole lot in the clubhouse. I think it might change a little bit of their perspective of what expectations they have on their shoulders, maybe. But that's just purely that, 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 that's media-generated media expectations. That's not... Right. From office expectations or peer expectations that are yeah. placed on them. Yeah. Well, I, they, the they know they can win 90 games. They've got the bulk of the same team that's won 90 games a lot since they've been here. And, I don't think they're really concerned about it. I think it's almost funny to them that they've reached a point in their careers where they're all still together and they're still getting questioned despite the fact that they've won a shit ton of games. Well, they also the haven't won a playoff series yet, too. Right, and you know, I I think you're onto something as where they, it's not their expectations and the fan expectations aren't the same. They they are there every day. They know what they're capable of doing. They know where they are, and I I think that you know you have you have a Marty Brenneman who's you know obviously a legend in the city, but is is still an outsider. He's not in the clubhouse every day. He's not, you know, in the team meetings. He's not in the dugout. You know, he doesn't he doesn't know what these guys are going through. Well, he's also very, very content and with being the biggest fish in this pond. He's done this previously. He threw Ken Griffey Jr. under the bus. He threw Adam Dunn he under got, the bus. He got Adam Dunn out traded of from Cincinnati. You know, when, when Single-handedly. It, yeah. When it, when, it, when it comes to these sorts of situations, actually, the, the comment that Votto made that hit the nail the most on the head was, you know, whether we like it or not, we're in the entertainment industry and we have to live with this. Yeah. One way or another. You know, I want to play baseball, but I also know I'm an entertainer. I have fans. Well, and I have he, followers. And he, the, the self-awareness there is just yeah. staggering. Like, you know, how talking about, you know, how he knows the expectations are on him because he's he's got the one with the big contract. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's refreshing to see an athlete just come out and say that. Like, no, like, that's... He's like, that's no, you guys expect more of me, and that's totally cool with me. And but the interesting, yeah, the interesting part to me was is that there's a lot of people in the Cincinnati market that are almost taking this as like a revelation moment from him. Yeah, as if 
he said it now, which means he just now gets it. No. That's bullshit. Like, he's gotten it for a long time. Yeah. He he's just played see, along he, with the game for so long. He knew it. To pulling back he knew it when he signed the, the he contract. He signed the contract. Yeah. He knew it when he signed the $39 million three-year contract before yeah. the extension. He knows it. He's always gotten it. He's cerebral enough to where he's understood it from the moment he looked up and realized, I'm batting third in this lineup and we're good. Right. And that was 2009. <laughs> the fact that he just now got around to saying it doesn't mean he's not been a leader beforehand and doesn't mean that he doesn't realize that he could have said it any time in the last five years. It didn't need to be said because the questions weren't there to be asked. When you're winning 90 games a year, back-to-back years, mm-hmm. there aren't enough questions that come in for you to have to say it. 2014 was the shit show enough of the year to where now he has to say it. And it's it's... Seeing the wry smile he gives and the chuckle he gives when he says, you know, if if you're asking about my approach, I love that. Because that means it's him finally giving the sound bite that that needs to be said. But knowing that he didn't ask this question two years ago or three years ago because it wasn't a problem. But if you look up, we're still the same guys. We just got to be healthy. We got to be good. And it's going to be there. And it's it's admirable. It's extremely admirable. And and he knows, too, that... You know he's not he's not the problem, right. and I, yeah. I think that that's that's right. the thing that you know when you when you look at the local yokel sports media people here, you know they just attach to him for whatever reason as the problem when things aren't going good because he's the guy with the contract and he's like I I think that that's there's kind of an underlying part of that there where he's kind of saying like hey I know that I'm not the problem, but. You know, I'm still producing even when I'm hurt, although I'm not the main producer because I'm hurt. So, yeah. It's like quarterback disease. It's they're yeah. trying to they're they're trying to equ- very they're, they're, they're trying to equate the quarterback to the highest played player on a baseball team. Like the yeah. the the Reds aren't terrible because their best player is Joey Votto, unlike the Bengals which are kind of hamstrung on who they're quarterback is because he <laughs> controls the entire offense. Joey Votto can't do anything with the six, seven, eight, nine hitters, whether he Joe, likes it or not. Yeah, Joe, he can't do anything to get the one and two hitters on base. Joe, Joey Votto isn't responsible for the bullpen. Yeah. He's not he's not the fourth and fifth starters. He's not gonna, you know Joey, yeah. Joey Votto's that golfer who can shoot a sixty eight by aiming at the middle of the green every single time. And by doing that, the media now wonders why he's not aiming at the flag. Right. Like, <laughs> right. What? Are you going to hole in one? What? I can shoot 68 every single time. Why are you questioning what I do? Right. Like, All right. Whatever. Well, uh, with, with that, I think we're going to wrap up. Um, this. Uh, make sure to come see us, redreporter.com, at redreporter on Twitter. Um, for Wick and Scott, I'm Brandon. Peace out. See ya. Bye, guys.